Radio. I'm Max Reaper, editor of Royals Review, and later on I'll be joined by Sean Newkirk and Hokias to talk about the roster and how it's shaping up for opening day. We'll also give our predictions for the upcoming season on both the Royals and around baseball. But first, I wanted to continue our preview of Central Division opponents. Already on the podcast, we talked uh, about the White Sox and the Indians, and today I wanted to cover the Detroit Tigers. With me is uh, Rob Rojacki, editor of Bless You Boys, the SB Nation site for fans of the Detroit Tigers. Rob, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. No, thanks for having me. It's always fun. Yeah, well, you know, I think we're all ready for baseball, and I think the Tigers are kind of in the same boat as the Royals. I mean, coming off a really tough season last year, losing 98 games, uh, and they're also going through a re- rebuild just like the Royals. And we know that the the Tigers, there were a lot of trade rumors uh, about Nick Castellanos all uh, off season, uh, but uh, you know, ultimately he is on the Tigers roster as of now. Uh, can you kind of talk to us about his off season and what the Tigers were, you know, were they actually trying to move him, or is it all just kind of uh, you know rumors? And, and and how long do you expect him to stay in the Tigers uniform? Yeah, there weren't too many rumors around, uh, about him, at least from what seemed like other other clubs and whatnot, and uh, being interested in him this offseason. And so he's here. Uh, he originally said that he wanted to be traded before spring training if he was going to be. And I think that's just more a standpoint of like he wants to be where he's going to be. Uh, he, I imagine like many players, doesn't necessarily want to have to move, uproot his family and whatnot during spring training. I think he and his wife have a young son or something like that. And so you can understand from a player standpoint that he just wants to be where he's going to be. Um, but no, we haven't heard much, especially lately in the way of rumors. And if anything, there's actually more talks of a possible extension happening. Uh, there haven't been any sort of terms bandied about or anything like that. Um, but I, I almost wonder if Castellanos kind of sees the writing on the wall with some of these other extensions that have happened recently, as well as um, some of the guys really kind of getting short shrift in free agency this offseason. If he wonders, you know, maybe that could be me next winter. Uh, and so if he can hammer on an extension with the Tigers and get whatever money is on the table for him there, maybe he sees that as his best option at this point. Um, he's been, you know, a, a great team player about it through through it all, um, saying kind of all the right things. Uh, you know, some fans were a little bit miffed when he said he wanted to be traded before spring training. But otherwise, he said, you know, he enjoys Detroit. He's OK with being here through the rebuild. He wants to kind of be a leader in the clubhouse, things like that. Um, and so from, you know, from that standpoint, I if anything, expect him to actually kind of stay stick around after this year. It doesn't seem like the market is too robust for his services, but if he has a hot start to the year, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting. Like uh, you know, extensions have been all the rage, and and the Royals are going through a rebuild as well. But they went ahead and extended Whit Merrifield this off season, and so you know, there's kind of two different approaches teams are taking with rebuilds. I mean, there's the approach that teams like um, the Cubs did and the Astros did originally and the White Sox seem to be doing now where they, they kind of trade away every single asset they, they have. And then there's the, the stance I think the Royals are taking and maybe the Tigers are taking this too, but uh, you know teams that are extending certain guys and building around those assets and hoping to, to build enough around those players to have a, a contending team in the future. What, what's kind of your take on the direction the Tigers are going? I mean, they've been going at this now for, for a little over a year or two. Um, but which, which, what's your sense on how the rebuild is going for them? My thought is that the Tigers were actually kind of aiming more for the former and that they were trying to sell off as many as many players as they could to try to accumulate as many assets as they could. Um, they There have been rumors about Michael Fulmer, rumors about Nicholas Castellanos, uh, but nothing has really come together. And I think that they're being patient enough that they don't necessarily want to have to you know, take just whatever's offered to them. Um, obviously, if push cups to shove this uh, July, uh, maybe they do end up taking kind of a meager return for Castellanos. But with him especially, they could always try to uh, recoup something through a qualifying offer. Uh, and with Fulmer, they were always kind of being patient and really kind of waiting for that huge offer, kind of like something like the White Sox got for Chris Sale when they first traded him. Um, but that never really came to fruition. And then Fulmer's had injuries. He had uh, knee surgery back in October. And then as he was recovering from that uh, and in spring training, he figured out he has the uh, torn UCL in his elbow and is now uh, going to be undergoing Tommy John surgery. Yeah, it's kind of the problem when you have so many um, teams tanking and so many sellers in the market that kind of dries things up for everyone. And and, and maybe you're you're better off just kind of holding on to some of these guys and trying to uh, uh, build around them. So that's yeah, it's interesting with Fulmer and Castellanos. Maybe they'll they'll be the bridge to the next really competitive Tigers team. Uh, kind of kind of leads me to my next question about Al Al, uh, Al Avila, the general manager of the Tigers. He was hired in late 2015, so this will be really his. Uh, uh, 
fourth full season with the Tigers. What's the sense among the fan base on how he's doing, and is there confidence he can kind of lead the Tigers back to the promised land? I think fans are starting to sour on Avila to a certain extent. Um, he hasn't done much in the way of helping to add uh, players to this roster. Uh, obviously, there are you know players in the minor leagues right now, and the ones that they have have the, for the most part looked pretty good. Um, Casey Mize had a eh, kind of a rough go in his first foray into professional ball last summer, but everyone seems pretty happy with that draft pick. Uh, and in the just kind of the 2018 draft class as well, uh, his previous one in 2017 isn't looking so hot right now, but that could always turn around, especially. Uh, especially if Alex Fiedo kind of turns things around. He was their first-round pick back in 2017. Um, but, it, you know, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with both Avila as well as with Tigers' ownership. Uh, we're used to Mike Illich kind of going out and outspending the rest of the division by a wide margin and, you know, signing all of these big-name players and things like that. And his son, Chris, has definitely not done that to a certain extent so far. And there are questions about how much he's going to do that going forward. Uh, it's kind of the same questions you get when any new owner steps in and, and is exactly like you know how much they're going to spend how big of a budget the team is going to have uh in the future and the tigers are are kind of on uncertain footing with that right now we don't really know what it's going to be um my guess is they will start to spend a little bit especially as jordan zimmerman's contract comes off the books in another two years um and they start to get you know more of that talent kind of into the upper minors and into the ma- at the major league level um but we'll see uh, if they don't end up spending, it could end up being one of those where they're really kind of hamstrung by their inability to do anything in free agency, which we've seen elsewhere around the division this offseason, especially with the White Sox. Um, I'm, uh, like I said, hoping it doesn't come to that, but we'll see what happens. Is it is it fairly certain that the, the team is going to stay in the hands of the Illich family? Because I know there were rumors that Cleveland Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert was interested in buying the team, but uh, I don't know if there's any indication that the Illich family is willing to sell. Is there confidence that the, the team will stay in the hands of the Illich family going forward? There's been, I don't think, any rumors at all that Ill- the Illich family is willing to sell. Uh, it sounds like Chris Illich is committed to the team um, and is just kind of going through the, you know, the motions of, you know, not really spending much when the team is going to be bad. Um, you can understand that from a certain extent in that why would they you know foot a 150 million dollar payroll when they can do the same thing for 120 million and still lose 90 plus games um, it's frustrating from a fan standpoint of course but from a guy who comes from that business background like Chris Illich does it yeah, it makes a certain amount of sense. Um, but it, in terms of any rumors or anything that we've heard of the team wanting to sell, uh, all of that has been hearsay. Uh, obviously, Dan Gilbert, I think, wants to get his hands on the Tigers if he can. Uh, and I think has even been willing to part with the Cavaliers if he does get that chance, um, from what I've read. But no, from the Illich side of things, there doesn't seem to be any sort of, uh, any sort of desire to sell the team. They have a big... Um, big kind of development project downtown in Detroit, right around where Comerica Park is, as well as close to the Red Wings new arena, uh, which the Illich family also owns. And so there's, you know, no real reason or even much of an incentive, I think, for them to, to sell the team at this point. I will say if uh, Royals fans ever get a chance to uh, travel to Detroit for a, for a road trip or for a, a Royals series abroad, um, you know, Comerica Park is, I think, a very underrated ballpark. And I know Detroit you know the reputation may not be may st- be stellar among a lot of Royals fans, but the area around the ballpark actually is quite nice and, and, and an enjoyable time. So I would highly recommend that experience for for any Royals fans that want to see a you know a, a road trip, take a road trip with the team sometime. So let's uh, let's talk about the Tigers um, off season a little bit. Um, you know, gone is Victor Martinez. I think a lot of Royals fans will be happy to see him retired. Uh, he was a Royals kill- Royal killer for many years. Uh, some other veterans like Jose Iglesias, Francisco Liriano, uh, James McCann are also gone this year. Uh, but what they did, they, they did bring in a couple guys on one-year deals, veterans like pitcher Matt Moore, Tyson Ross, and infielders jo- Jordy Mercer and Josh Harrison over from Pittsburgh. In a lot of ways, that offseason reminds me a bit of what the Royals did last year when they brought in a bunch of guys on one-year deals. What's kind of your thinking and what's, what's the fan base reaction to this offseason for the Tigers? I think a lot of people have been frustrated with it to a certain extent. Um, Throughout his few years as kind of the top guy in the organization, Avila has historically 
gotten his business done very early in the offseason. Uh, and to a certain extent, especially now with teams kind of waiting things out and getting free agents for, you know, next to nothing, um, that I think has actually cost the Tigers a little bit. I mean, they signed Mercer for, I want to say, like five and a half million dollars. Tyson Ross is on the books for almost six million. Uh, and you look elsewhere on the league at guys who have signed guys with, you know, a little bit more potential or at least kind of equal potential and they're signing for you know half of what ross got or in the you know in terms of jose iglesias who was the tiger starter at shortstop last year he i think took a minor league deal with the cincinnati reds uh and so from a financial standpoint it's a little bit uh frustrating to see that um that said avila has kind of done fairly well with some of these deals uh he picked mike fires up early and that was a deal that a lot of us really kind of panned at first and then fires went out and had a great season uh leonis leonis martin was another one that we were not i mean we were a little bit puzzled with at first um and we're definitely we're kind of unhappy when ron gardenhire put him in in the leadoff slot on opening day uh and then he went out and had a great season too at least before he had that weird uh, uh, virus or b- bacterial infection or whatever it was that kind of lay, laid him out for a couple months there. Um, and so Avila has shown kind of an aptitude for finding these guys who have some sort of breakout potential. I don't know if it's pure scouting or if there's some sort of analytical component too. Um, we'll see with that. Uh, I, I'm being cautiously optimistic with both and kind of seeing what they're going to give. Uh, and especially with Fulmer for the year now, they're going to need those guys to just kind of step up and give them innings, good or bad, uh, just to make sure that you're not the young arms in the organization. Uh, one move I did like that they uh, made was picking up Josh Harrison kind of late in the spring. Uh, I think they signed him to like a $2 million deal. Or um, Harrison has kind of been trending downwards a little bit, doesn't take a ton of walks, and is still going to be in the leadoff spot. Um, but, you know, I think you could do a lot worse for $2 million. Now, the Tigers begin the season uh, Thursday in Toronto. The next week, uh, they'll actually have their home opener against the Royals. So, you know, thinking about the starting lineup, uh, I know teams are still finalizing their rosters. What what kind of starting lineup, uh, at least, you know, defensively, are you looking at for the Tigers when they open the season up against the Blue Jays? Well, we already mentioned uh, Mercer and Harrison. Uh, those two will be playing up the middle at short and second. Uh, third baseman will be Jamer Candelario, uh, who played there last year. Miguel Cabrera is finally healthy, uh, at least for a little while. He'll be, I think, still playing mostly first base. I know there's going to be some kind of switching between uh, him and a couple other guys at first base this year. They'll definitely be getting Cabrera more DH at bats, but I think for the most part, he wants to play first base still. Uh, and he's never really hurt himself in the field, and so I know that some people have said, like, oh, you know, we don't really want him playing there much. Um, but the the fielding has never really been the issue for him. It's always been, like, base running or swinging the bat or things like that, things that he'd be doing already. Uh, and so we'll see if he stays healthy doing that. Uh, Behind the plate, the Tigers are going to stick with Grayson Griner, uh, a third-round pick that they made a few years ago, I want to say. A uh, guy who uh, who uh, announcers are going to point out as the tallest M- catcher in MLB history at 6'6", um, but despite that size, is actually a pretty good defender, uh, and it's his offensive game that uh, everyone's kind of questioning. He seems more like a career backup, but at this point, it's worth giving him you know 100 games or so to see kind of what they have in him. Uh, in the outfield, it's going to be, heck, I don't know. Um, Nicholas Castellanos will be in right again. Uh, Kristen Stewart, one of the team's top prospects, uh, is a guy that will be in left field. He came up and played a little bit in September um, and is, uh, you know, one guy that a lot of Tigers fans are really looking forward to this year because he's not much of a defender, but definitely a, uh, a solid hitter and a guy who the Tigers are really kind of hoping slots into the middle of the order and does well. Uh, and then center field, uh, Jacoby Jones played there last year, but I think he's actually going to be out with an injury he just sustained in, uh, at the end of spring training. And so um, Mikey Matuk or Nico Goodrum sound like the two options there right now. Uh, there's an ambulance going by. Sorry if that's uh, <laughs> that's getting into into the sound here. It's kind of distracting me a little bit. Um, but prospect Daz Cameron, who had a monster spring training, is unfortunately not going to be uh, one of the guys called up to replace Jones, uh, which we are upset about. Um, I guess we kind of understand it's probably some sort of service time manipulation type thing. Uh, it sounds like they want to keep him down in the minors this year. And to be fair, he only played like 10 games at AAA or something like that last year. And so he's probably not quite big lead ready. Um, but for a short-term replacement for, for Jones while he's out with that you know minor shoulder injury, it would have been nice to see Cameron in there. But it sounds like they're not going to go that route. 
But the ambulance does remind me that the the Tigers did suffer a major blow to the rotation this year when they found out that Michael Fulmer uh, has to have Tommy John surgery. He's going to miss the entire season. Uh, so what what does the rotation kind of look like without him? And what are some bull, you know key bullpen pieces we might see late in games for the Tigers? Well, the guys that were going to be in the rotation regardless, uh, Jordan Zimmerman is going to be starting on opening day. Um, I think he was going to be starting there whether or not Fulmer was healthy. Uh, Garden Hire has always kind of uh, leaned towards the veterans to provide, you know, leadership and things like that. Uh, Zimmerman started over Fulmer on opening day last year, too. Uh, so it wasn't much of a surprise when he made that announcement today. Um, Matthew Matthew Boyd is going to be in the rotation as well. He's had some kind of ups and downs, especially against the Royals. Uh, some great outings, some really bad ones, too. Um, he will probably be that kind of same up-and-down starter this year again. Um, Tyson Ross and Matt Moore, who we've already talked about, will also be in the rotation. And then the, the fifth guy is actually not going to be Daniel Norris, it seems. Um, Norris has kind of been injury-prone throughout his uh, few years with the Tigers and hasn't really ever been able to put it all together despite being, I think he was like a top-20 prospect uh, at the time of the trade uh, when he was first brought to Detroit. Um we were really kind of hoping he would be, he would make it at some point. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be in the bullpen it's in some capacity to start the year. Uh, but Spencer Turnbull, uh, a guy who the Tigers drafted in the second round, I want to say it was back in like 2014. Uh, he's had um, some shoulder and uh, shoulder problems uh, and other injuries. I don't think any elbow issues actually. Um, but he's going to be a guy that's kind of slotting to that fifth spot in the rotation uh, and a guy that the Royals may see early on. I think their first series is what kind of early part of April. Uh, um, depending on how the rotation shakes out, they may see Turnbull in that series. Uh, a guy with a big, big fastball. He can run it up to like 95, 96 miles an hour. Uh, doesn't always know really where it's going. Uh, the same thing with a slider. And he doesn't really have much of a third pitch beyond that. And so we'll see kind of what he brings to the table at the major league level. Um, but a guy that a lot of Tigers fans are interested in seeing, uh, mostly because he's you know a guy with a little bit of actual potential. Uh, a guy who could actually be around for a few years uh, if he puts it all together. Uh, whether he's in the rotation or the bullpen, uh, a guy that a lot of us just are kind of excited to see how he does with a longer look in the bigs. Well, the Tigers, they lost 98 games last year, but if you want to look at the positive side of things, they actually finished in third place ahead of the White Sox and Royals. Uh, And I imagine the three teams, those three teams will kind of be jockeying out again this year, but we could see some improvement out of those teams. What's kind of the expectations from the fan base and maybe your expectations for the Tigers going into this year? And what would constitute a successful season for the Detroit Tigers? I think if Fulmer if Fulmer had stayed healthy, people could you know kind of talk themselves into this being maybe a little bit of a bounce back year. Maybe do they do that thing like you know every every other year some AL Central team seems to do where they kind of shoot out of the gate and win a bunch of games that they're not supposed to and get lucky in one run games or something like that um, and then finish in you know kind of the 70-75 win range but after Fulmer went down and with some of the other issues that are going on with this team uh, just in terms of there being you know just a, kind of a lack of talent all throughout the roster I my expectations have kind of fallen a little bit uh, I am don't picture them being much better than they were last year, somewhere in the you know, 64, 65, 66 win range. Um, probably last place in the in the AL Central. I think the White Sox will take a little bit of a step forward. I think the Royals will, if nothing else, beat up on the Tigers quite a bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm just – having Fulmer kind of go down right before the season began does kind of – uh, dampen expectations and the excitement for the season a little bit uh and then with jacoby jones out too a guy who is a very flawed player but very exciting to watch in center field uh with his ability to kind of track balls and and uh, get out and really kind of take away hits in the gaps um it's uh, you know a little bit pessimistic but uh could be what we're uh what we're aiming for in uh in 2019 well after seeing the tigers beat up on the royals during the jim Leyland years uh i wouldn't mind seeing the royals get some revenge this year, uh, well, but we'll see because I think both of these teams are in the same boat. They're probably pretty evenly matched at this point. We'll have to see which which rebuild, I guess, um, accelerates faster or, or at least gets the team closer to contention this year. But, uh, Rob, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about Bless You Boys and where uh, fans can find all the latest Tigers news. Yeah, uh, I imagine a lot of your readers kind of know uh, where we're at, uh, blessyouboys.com. Uh, we have a podcast that's coming out weekly too. I don't know if Brandon and Ashley have uh, 
talked about getting any guests on. It may be something that happens kind of early in the season, uh, especially as, you know, series are kind of upcoming and whatnot uh, in terms of bringing on guests. But we have that. We have our podcast there. We're going to be doing a lot of minor league work at the site uh, on Twitter. We're at Bless You Boys. Uh, and, yeah, the, that's kind of where to where to find us and come check us out. Uh, be nice. Uh, we'll be nice to you guys, too. It's going to be a long season. Both of our teams are probably going to be bad. Uh, and so we can just kind of commiserate together. Yeah, there's certainly going to be a lot of commiserating. Rob, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll have to have you uh, on again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We're back, and uh, I'm now joined by Sean Newkirk. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm good. Well, I'm happy to be here, as always. Also joining us is Hokias, ready for the start of the season. Hokias, how are you? I'm awesome. Great. Well, the Cactus League season is finally over. The Royals are Cactus League champs like they've done so many times in the past. Uh, and now they'll have an exhibition game in Omaha this week. Uh, and then that's it. It's time to start real baseball games. We don't know the final roster yet. It sounds like Ned Yost probably isn't going to set that until a couple hours before opening day like he did last year. We have a pretty good idea who's going to be on this roster, though, at least uh, the position players, I think. Um, we know that behind the plate we'll have Martin Maldonado. And Cam Gallagher. We know that Ryan O'Hearn will be at first base, Whit Merrifield at second, Adabarto Montesi at short, Hunter Dozier at third, and we know the outfield will have Alex Gordon, Billy Hamilton, uh, Jorge Soler, and Brian Goodwin. It seems very likely that Terrence Gore will probably be on this team as a pinch runner, and Chris Owings will be a utility player who should see a lot of action. Uh, that leaves one bench spot available if the Royals carry 13 position players, which it sounds like they will. And there really seems to be three candidates left for that job. Uh, There's infielder Umberto Arteaga, who spent last year in Omaha, 25-year-old infielder. Good glove man, but hasn't hit a whole lot until last year, Uh, but has had a great spring training hitting over 500. There's also Frank Schwindel, who's uh, probably the fan favorite. He's smacked 41 home runs over the last two years in Omaha. Uh, First baseman, right-handed bat. Uh, He's also had a pretty good spring. And then the surprise late entrance is Lucas Duda, who you may remember from last year. The Royals signed him this week to a minor league deal after he opted out of his contract with the Twins when he wasn't going to make their roster. And you may remember that Duda last year hit 242 with the Royals, uh, 310 on base percentage, 413 slug, 13 home runs in 87 games. So he comes back on a minor league deal and he will be in consideration for a roster spot. So Sean... Given those three options, uh, is there a best option, and who do you think the Royals go with, or is are they even done looking for a bench option here? Sorry, I'm just waking up from when you were discussing the Royals' 25th player on this <laughs> roster. Uh, give me a second. To, anyways, no. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, mean, it's, I think that it's going to be Duda. I think Duda, just because like they brought him in and they're familiar with him, I think he just wins by default. Um, and I wonder if they have enough of those up the middle kind of guys, um, which might rule out Arteaga, because um, Owings kind of makes Arteaga redundant, I think. Uh, but there isn't really, I guess you could consider like Dozier as a Duda, um, but of course Duda doesn't play third. Um, so I think I think Duda's mine, who who I would think would be, especially since he's brought in this late in the season. I can't, I mean, I, I think that they would, they just brought him on and be like, hey, well, you know, we'll have you start. Uh, or at least be you know on the major league team. So that's my guess. I, I'm going to go with Duda on mine. And Hokias, I think I think Sean's probably right. And Duda probably has the inside track, but it, it doesn't seem like Duda fits this roster that well, in my opinion, just because he's a left-handed bat, and they already have O'Hearn playing uh, first base, and he's a left-handed bat. Now maybe Duda DHs more with Soler playing in right, but um, you know what, what's going to happen when they need that bench spot. Uh, they can't really option him down. Uh, you know, will they DFM? What's your best sense of how this Duda signing, how it makes sense with this roster? I, th- my my gut instinct is is that the same thing that you guys have been saying that if they signed Duda this late, then they probably want to put him on the roster. But then, as you also pointed out, they're gonna they're gonna want that spot for a pitcher sooner rather than later. So, and, and you can't demote him. So I I kind of wonder if they didn't sign him to try and keep him just kind of in the organization. I wonder if they don't want him to be a coach of some sort um, is, is kind of my guess. And then beyond that, between Schwindel and Arteaga, I, I, I don't know who you take. I would take Schwindel just because the fans keep demanding it. 
Um, and, you know, having a, a right-handed guy who can platoon with O'Hearn for the first couple weeks of the season just to get him a taste of the major leagues, see if he can do anything in a, even in a small sample size, that's what I would do. But um, I, it, Duda doesn't make any sense to me uh, as either a guy that you keep in the minor leagues because they have plenty of first base uh, depth between um, Samir Duenez, or however you say his name, and uh, and and Frank Schwindel, so he doesn't make sense as depth. They've already got a left-handed first baseman in O'Hearn, who's better than Duda, or was better than Duda last year. Probably can't be much worse than Duda at their this respective point of their careers. I I don't know why he's here. Yeah, and and I tweeted this out too, and, and like I'm a I've been a Frank Schwindel skeptic. I don't I'm not on this. You know, don't put me on the Frank Schwindel bandwagon. I'm not. You know, I'm pretty dubious that a guy with a 2% walk rate in 2017 can have any kind of success at the major league level. But for heaven's sake, give him a shot. I mean, this is the year you find out if he can do anything. And you certainly shouldn't block him with a 33-year-old Lucas Duda. Uh, you know, I think maybe you, you could be onto something about him possibly being a coach. I don't remember, like, people praising his clubhouse presence last year. But it's it's possible that he's, like, a good clubhouse dude. And they're like, hey, you know go to Omaha for us, you know, be our like emergency first baseman. If we need uh, so to bring someone up this year, you know, we'll give you a shot, be our mentor down there. there. That's possible. Um, I mean, the fact that he wasn't willing to do that with the twins, I think is probably a red flag that maybe he wouldn't be willing to do that with the Royals, but perhaps, you know, maybe he sees more of an opportunity here with it, you know, a less certain first base situation, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a head scratching move all, you know, all around. And if you had told me last week the Royals were going to bring back someone from last year uh, that got cut this week, you know, first, I think your first response would have been Alcides Escobar. <laughs> your second response would have been Drew Butera. And Lucas Duda, I don't even know if he might have been fifth or sixth. I mean, I would have, I would have guessed Justin Grimm would come back before Lucas Duda. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty puzzling move. And uh, I guess we'll see how it shakes out this week. I mean, it could be there could be a real simple explanation of, like, we wanted him to, you know <laughs> – we wanted to give him up, you know, something before he left or some sort of weird, you know, mentorship thing. But, um, yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense right now. Uh, we'll try to make more sense of the rotation. It sounds like the Royals um, might be going with a three-man rotation to start the year. We know Brad Keller will start on opening day. Jacob Junis will go in game two. And then Jorge Lopez seems like he'll be the third starter. No, no announcement's been made on that yet. But because they have so many off days, they wouldn't really need a fourth starter uh, for at least the first week. And so I guess it sounds like Homer Bailey is going to be that fourth starter. And it also sounds like Danny Duffy may not be back uh, by the time they need a fifth starter, which would be April 10th. So it, you know, you will, we, we could see a guy like Heath Filmeyer who got sent down to minor league camp, get called back up. So Sean, is that starting rotation? Um, is that kind of the, the start of a championship rotation? Or how do you feel <laughs> about the starting three as it is going uh, to start the year? Yeah, I liked how we all laughed when Homer Bailey got signed. Like, oh, there's no way he makes the opening day roster. It was inevitable, wasn't it? We shouldn't have I, I thought he was on there for sure. I, I was just <laughs> waiting for them to figure out how he was going to fit. Just yeah. knowing Ned Yost and the veterans. Yeah, when I said when I said there's no way he was going to make the team, you should have just said two words to me. Sidney Ponsone. And I would go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is totally their M.O. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't think anybody – necessarily really thought it was going to be that much of a strength but um you know it it keller kind of came out well maybe not early but i feel like keller was like oh here's he's gonna be our opening day guy like maybe sooner than other than like when someone was obviously expected to be it like duffy i don't know it's kind of um nice to see that keller got a really really early nod on when you know being announced as the um opening day starter so um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, I, no, it's not the championship caliber one, especially when who may be the best pitcher on the team. Danny Duffy is, uh, not even going to be in the rotation and you know, <laughs> you might not be missing him that much to begin with. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, 180 innings out of Homer Bailey. And Hokai, so it was kind of interesting. They, um, you know, Flanny tweeted out that it's, it's going to be apparent that Duffy's going to go on a minor league rehab to start the year, which, which probably pushes him back to being in Kansas City till late April. There's also kind of the, some interesting articles about him possibly moving to the bullpen. He said he would be open to it. Um, is, how concerned should we be about his injury? Like, is this something you think that's going to be a problem all year? And is it possible we don't even see Duffy in the rotation much at all this year? 
he was he was hurt at the end of last year. He has a history of being hurt, and uh, basically the only year he didn't get hurt was the year he spent half the year in the bullpen. So the fact that he's barely pitched in spring training, that he's already hurt again, he had didn't he have off-season surgery that was supposed to deal with whatever it was that was at the end of last year? And he was going to be healthy, and he did all this new workout regimen that was going to make sure to keep his arm healthy now. I know he had a regimen. I don't know if he actually went under the knife this winter. I think that maybe was last winter when he cleaned some things up in his elbow. So there's he there an effort was made to intentionally be more healthy, and he made it one one appearance right in yeah. in spring training before he was hurt. So you got to do something to get your money from him if you're if you're the team and he's shown an ability to be a good uh multi-inning reliever in the past uh i i i think the fact that they're already bringing it up even though they were very specific in the article you know nothing's been said about it's going to happen really mm-hmm. really quick or immediately but the fact that he said he was open to it he almost sounded like excited about it which is you know a far cry from how ian kennedy sounded when they first started talking about it with him mm-hmm. um I, I, I'm wondering, I think a lot of it is going to depend on what does the rotation look like when he comes back. If the rotation looks like we got five guys, they're holding their own, uh, then I think he goes to the bullpen. And, and I think that's, that's where he is until they need another starter, um, at least. And I, I can't say that that's a bad choice at this point. Speaking of the bullpen, let's turn to the bullpen. It's going to be, I think, a little more fluid this year. I mean, Ned Yost doesn't seem like he wants to have defined bullpen roles, which will be kind of interesting to see uh, you know, how Ned Yost pushes those buttons this year. Uh, fi- they have not finalized the roster, but I think we have a, an idea of some of the guys that will make the, the team. I, I think there's definitely five locks in, the, in Brad Boxberger, Willie Peralta, who I think you'll see both of those guys in late, late in games. Uh, you'll see the left-handers Jake Diekman and Tim Hill. And then, of course, you'll see Ian Kennedy, who was demoted from the rotation to the bullpen. So that's five locks. I think I feel like Kevin McCarthy is probably a pretty good bet to make the team, although he has options remaining, and they, they like to play the inventory game, and he could maybe get sent down if they had, get caught in a numbers crunch. Brian Flynn is the interesting guy because he doesn't have options. He also hasn't pitched in, I think, a week and a half or two weeks, uh, and he got shelled when he did pitch. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he began the year on the injured list. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me if they completely cut him, uh, because I believe if they cut him, they can be out from two-thirds of his salary. Uh, and then there's guys... Uh, so, so assuming that McCarthy's on the team, that would leave... And, and, and they go with a three-man rotation to start the year. That would leave three more bullpen spots up for, for bid. So there'd be Brian Flynn would be a candidate for one of those. Kyle Zimmer, who's really impressed, would be, would be up for one of those. Michael Anoa a non-roster invitee would be up for that. Chris Ellis, one of the Rule 5 picks, would be a candidate. Um, Sam McWilliams, the other Rule 5 pick, was was sent back to the Rays this weekend. And then Scott Barlow, I believe, is still in camp. Uh, he'd be kind of an outside candidate to make the team as well. So, Sean, how do you see that bullpen race shaping up? Um, is, there, is there a name that we should, you know, perhaps be looking at more than others? Or is this all kind of, um, are these kind of like interchangeable names with Omaha at this point? Yeah, I think you got it right, especially with how the modern day kind of DL and roster construction works where like there's really no such thing as a set bullpen, um, except for maybe you're like HDH type where you've got the strong, you know, two or three at the top. But everybody else is pretty semi fluctionable, um, just given the manipulation that's, you know, available. Um, I think Kyle Zimmer is probably the probably a lock to make it at this point, um, even though his spring was just kind of OK. Um, the fact that he actually was able to make it through the spring um, healthy, as far as we've heard, um, is a good sign. And I think he makes it there, too. Um, I know Patrick Brennan uh, on the site. He likes uh, Michael Yanoa a pretty good amount. I'm, uh, you know, kind of a fastball-only guy mostly, so that's what's, you know, it's a concern for me. But I, I think you're about right. Um, just the main guys are, you know, Boxberger, Peralta, Kennedy, and then um, I think we see Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I think they like that kind of ground ball idea that he brings. Um, so I think those are the core, and then you've got your shuttle service back and forth. What about a Rule 5 pick, Chris Ellis? He's a guy that um, I think when they drafted or when they selected uh, McWilliams and they acquired Ellis, Ellis seemed like the lesser of the two picks. Uh, yeah. McWilliams already got sent back. He, he was kind of shelled, 
and was pretty wild in spring training. Ellis has gotten hit around pretty good, but his strikeout to walk ratio is like at least kind of impressive. Um, is there a chance that Chris Ellis makes this team? I wonder if they if they look at Ellis as a guy who, uh, gosh, who's the example I'm thinking of? Um, they give him some time and Brad Killer. Um, exactly. Uh, they they stick him in the bullpen for a little bit, and just because they know they're going to need a sixth or a seventh starter at some point. Um, so he seems like a guy that probably sticks around, or could at least, that just uh, eventually ends up pitching more full-time in the rotation at some point. So I think that that makes sense. But I thought maybe the same for Mick Williams, but I think they like Ellis a little bit more. In looking at the, some of these names, too, I mean, like, and I know they're just looking for kind of, flat, you know, lightning in a bottle here, Hokaias. But, man, it does, doesn't seem like Richard Lovelady would be at least as good or a better option than some of these guys. And I know they want to play the inventory game and keep some of these guys around. But at the same time, you know, he's kind of proven what he needs to prove in Omaha. You know, Zips for what it, whatever, you know, whatever you want to make of Zips projects him to be their best reliever. Um, you know, it, it seemed, you know, it, I don't know if you want to really game service time for a reliever. And the Royals don't really play the gaming, you know, service time game. Um so shouldn't Lovelady be in this conversation? I mean, he's already in minor league camp, so he's not going to make this team, but shouldn't he be part of this conversation? Probably. Um, he's been kind of a weird case for the Royals where they're they're willing to try a lot of different guys doing a lot of different things, but for some reason he's been the best reliever in their farm system in the upper minors for the last... I mean, he was last year, and, and really the year before that he was turning heads, and there's not really been any rumors or talk of him coming up at all. And that's just been kind of bizarre to me for a team where uh, they, they keep telling us at least that they're competing, but uh, their biggest weakness has been the bullpen. So if you, you really are competing, which you're not, but let's pretend and your weakness is your bullpen. Then why isn't your top reliever prospect pitching in the big leagues? And what's really weird to me is that, you know, they've been hammered um, by us, but also other people about the inability to develop homegrown talent, you know, how badly they've missed in the draft. And you have a couple of guys in their upper minors who have, you know, they're not like great prospects or anything. Guys like Rich Lovelady, Nicky Lopez, Frank Schwindel. And, you know, the Royals could be like super aggressive and, and maybe promote them to the big leagues and give them a shot. And if they perform, then they can say, hey, look, maybe we're a little bit better at scouting than, than you guys think. Um, but instead, they've been very, very deliberate. I and mean, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's weird how there's been very little talk about Lovelady being called up in September. or And they pretty much said there's no chance he would make this roster coming in, uh, you know, going into the season. Same with Nicky Lopez. And it is interesting. I don't know if it's like they're deliberately being more um, uh, you know, patient with these guys or, or what the deal is. Because it seems like... You know, I, I get not making the team. It's not like it's obvious these guys should make the team. But um, but I don't know. It seems like Lovelady at least could have competed for a bullpen spot. And if he impresses, and he had a pretty good spring training, um, then, you know, he should at least be in the conversation with guys like Michael Inoa, who's, you know, look, maybe he's found something. You know, people were raving about his curveball in or a slider, I think, in uh, spring training. But, you know, he's you're right, Sean. He's like a fastball guy who um, didn't really have much success in the minors. And got a touch of big league, t- you know, of action, but um, you know what's really the upside there? You know, maybe he turns into a really good reliever, but um, you know, I think I'd rather see what Richard Lovelady can do at this point. So I, I, I don't know. I think it was just curious that those guys weren't even in the conversation to make the roster. And I think a lot more fans would like to see guys like that come up and at least get a chance. Yeah, and I feel like we've heard nothing about Josh Stamon either. Right. Always. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's been interesting as well. And I, you know, obviously he has his command issues, but to not even be part of the conversation for a bullpen role. A little bit strange, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the opening day roster. We'll find out more. Like I said, I think Thursday morning, I bet, is when we'll find out who makes this team. We may have some surprise injuries. You never know. But uh, it seems like we have a pretty good idea on who's going to make this team. So let's turn to predictions. This will be our last podcast before the season really starts. It officially started, I guess, last week with the Mariners and A's, but really opening day is Thursday. And I wanted to get you guys on the record because I know you guys have a pretty high accuracy rate in predictions. You guys are like Nostradamus and Nate Silver times 20. So uh, let's get us on the record. So we're going to go through and we're going to be asking the fans this too and getting their predictions and and, uh, holding us all accountable. But Sean, we'll start with you. We're going to do best position player for the Royals by wins above replacement. 
Uh, let's go by Fangraphs wins above replacement. So who okay. you got for the best position player on the Royals this year? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the two obvious candidates are Mondesi and Merrifield. Merrifield, God dang, Merrifield is the the incumbent and, you know, the, the has done it and will continue to uh, hopefully do it. Um, Mondesi's the upstart if you wanted to go with him. Uh, um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Mondesi or uh, uh, Merrifield. I'm going to say Merrifield, just because of the track record. You don't have to bet as much on like a not that Mondesi necessarily was bad last year, um, but it was kind of a, a breakout that needs to be uh, needs to be proved was real. Where uh, Merrifield's on what would be you know year three of a breakout, really. Um, if you you know it's almost established at this point, so I'm going to go Merrifield, even though that's kind of the the obvious answer. It's like picking Mac, Mike Trout on the Angels, um, but I'm going to go with Merrifield. Okay, so you got Merrifield or Mondesi or someone else? I, I'm going with Mondesi. Uh, I just he looked too good last year for me to bet against him, and I just, I just have maybe I listened to Dugan too much, but I just have this sneaking suspicion Merrifield is just going to disappear at some point, and it might be this year. I believe in Merrifield, and I'm almost tempted to kind of throw out my yearly Jorge Soler prediction, but I think Soler's burned <laughs> me too many times. I will go with Adalberto Mondesi. I, I mean, what he did in 75 games uh, was pretty amazing, and I think pitchers will kind of figure him out a little bit, um, but, I mean, the ball, his, his, the, the ball jumps off his bat so much that I think if he's able to make, you know, okay-ish contact, um, he'll have some success. And his speed and defense, I think, is going to be worth quite a bit on its own. And some, you know, Merrifield brings that as well, but I think Mondesi is just a little more dynamic in that category. So I'll go with Mo- Mondesi as well. Let's go with best pitcher on the Royals by wins above replacement. Hokaius, you can start out this one. Who's the best arm for the Royals when it's all said and done? All right, so uh, I'm probably going to get... Uh, a lot of uh, laughter or flack for this one, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick Kyle Zimmer. I think, yeah, you just I think him. he's gonna, I think he's gonna start the year in the bullpen. I think he's gonna stay healthy. I think they're gonna need a starter and they're gonna shift him into the rotation. And I think he's gonna have some. Uh, he's not gonna be like, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw, but he's gonna have some good success. So I'm gonna pick Kyle Zimmer. Uh, yeah, I think the Royals need to make sure he doesn't carry his own luggage on opening day. But, but yeah, I can see that happening. Sean, what about you? Who's the best uh, pitcher for the Royals this year? And listen, no one's a bigger Zimmer fan than I was. I think he is the best Royals pitching prospect since at least Grinky, if not better than Grinky. Um, but I am going to go. It becomes up between Keller and Junis. Um, if and here's a little arbitrage. If we're doing baseball reference war, it would be. Uh, Keller, but since we're going to use Fangraphs War, which is fifth based, I'm going to go with Junis uh, for this one. Junis is my my guess, my I, prediction. I will also go with Junis. I think Keller is due for a little regression. I'm encouraged by what I saw of the season uh, last year from Junis, and I was kind of convinced by Michael Augustine's article about Junis's changeup. So I will also go with Jake Junis, uh, and I think he'll be their uh, their best pitcher. I think Kyle Zimmer will be pretty good, but I. The injury factor is just too big for me. Plus, I think he's going to main. I think he's going to stay in the bullpen most of the year. Uh, so you're not going to get as much value out of that. What is the Royals' record at the end of the year, and what place will they be in the standings, Sean? I don't know if 69 wins is too meta or not, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty nice. Though. I do. I do think that's reasonable. So I'm going to say. Uh, okay, so I'll start with the place in the standings. Um, I think a place in the standings, I think they're going to be fourth. I think they're going to be obviously behind the Indians. I think they're going to be behind the Twins and then behind the White Sox. But I do think they'll be better than the Tigers. Um, because Michael, I think Michael Fulmer, Michael Fulmer is out for the year. Or, he is out for the year, yeah. Okay. Um, so that really hurts the the red the Tigers, um, and then maybe Castiano gets traded. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to say fourth. Oh, as for record, um, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say sixty. I'll say sixty-eight, just to not be that stupid. Uh, I'll do sixty-eight. That's, <laughs> on the, that's on the day Rob Gronkowski retired, you go yeah, with sixty-eight instead of sixty-nine. That's a shame. Yeah, uh, Lucas, uh, what is the win record and what? Uh, where do they finish in the standings? Uh, I I 
picked uh, 71 wins. I think they're going to be better than last year, but I don't see how they escape 90 losses. Um, and I, I had actually the same order Sean did with uh, Cleveland, Minnesota, Chicago, Kansas City, and then Detroit. And I, that sounds like there's a consensus here because I, I, I'm guess the most optimistic, but I have them at 72 wins. I think, which doesn't sound like much, but that's a 14 game improvement, yeah. which yeah. is pretty big. Um, th- it's this is a team that's going to have a hot stretch, but they're also going to have a month where they, you know, lose two thirds of their games. And the the hitting, I think, is going to be a lot improved. The defense is going to be much improved. It's oh, yeah. it's just the pitching is just not there yet. They don't have the arms. They're gonna they're gonna have to wait till Brady Singer, Jackson Coar, and Daniel Lynch come up because you know these guys. I like Junis. I like Keller, and that's about it. I mean, Kyle Zimmer. Hopefully, and they're can not, get something together. You're not. They're not your one and twos. Yeah, they're exactly. Your, your they're four, nice, your four and five. Yeah, they're nice four and five, uh, and they're not going to carry over the finish line. I think they'll be better than the a lot better than the Tigers. I think the Tigers are pretty. Their t- roster is looking pretty bad. They're they're opening a starters Jordan Zimmerman, if that gives you an indication Ooh. where their pitching staff oh. is. And uh, they don't really have the young players the Royals have right now on the roster, so I think the the Royals will be better just in that regard. I think the White Sox are maybe a slightly ahead of the Royals, but probably not much. I think the Royals will be within striking distance of the White Sox, and then quite a bit behind the Twins and the Indians. So it sounds like we have a consensus, and I imagine that's where most people are going to put them in the standings. So, what about the division winners? Who is actually going to be in contention? Uh, Sean, we'll start with you in the American League. Give me your three division winners. Um. So okay, uh, Central's easy. Um, The uh, the the Indians. Gosh, I was waking on the Indians. Um, Really, and for the West, this is one I tossed up. Um, It. I I think it's going to be. It's the Astros. Now that I think a little bit more about it, Um, I wanted to put Dark Horse. Uh, Mariners, but they're kind of tanking a little bit. Um, and and then, now. yeah, and, and then uh, I don't. The Angels just are not good enough, um, especially with not having Otani. Who knows what kind of role he's going to have? Um, I do kind of like o- Oakland a little bit, but I'm going to go Astros. Uh, but for the AL East, I can't really pick a winner, so I'm going to just say, I'm going to say, God, Yankees or Red Sox is what it is. Um, Oh, I'm gonna go Yankees. I'll go Yankees. Actually, I think that'll be that'll be that. <laughs> the Red Sox is the wild card. Do you have a second wild card picked out? Um, no. Um, no, no they won't I have don't. one this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the other they'll forfeit. All I right, can't hope. think of who. I, I was too up to the. I just thought of the winners. That's it. That's all I was thinking of. But then I was like, oh, I like the Red Sox too. So. Sean is all about the winners. Okay, yeah. do you have division winners? And if if you pick wild cards, you can give those too. Yeah, I got I've got New York, Cleveland, and Houston, um, and then I of course went with Boston because if Boston doesn't win the division, they're definitely gonna bring home a wild card. For my second wild card, I uh, I picked Tampa Bay. I liked a mm-hmm. lot of what they were doing, especially late in the year last year. So um, that's where I'm looking. I am also going with uh, the American League. Just become too predictable. I got the Yankees. Indians and Astros as well. The Red Sox as the first wild card. I have the Twins as the second wild card. I like their um, offseason quite a bit, uh, getting Nelson Cruz and CJ Cron uh, and Marvin uh, Gonzalez. So um, I, you know, I think those are some good pieces. I think they also have some uh, room to navigate this uh, summer if they're in it. So uh, I will pick the Twins to be in that wild card race. Let's move to the National League. Uh, Hokias, you can start this one off. Uh, who do you like as your division winners in the senior circuit? All right, so uh, I got to stick with my pick from last year. They almost came through for me until they played too much Fortnite. So I'm going with Philadelphia in the East, uh, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the script a little bit, and I picked St. Louis for the Central and San Diego for the West. Ooh. I like them. I like them with uh, with Hosmer on an odd year and oh, yeah. uh, Maldonado or not Maldonado um, Machado. Machado. And the hot lava talent. Uh, yes. did, you, did you pick wild cards or you don't? You know, it's a stolen. Yeah, I got I got Atlanta. They uh, they had that good year last year, won the division. I think they'll be a wild card. And Chicago, they're too talented to I think to go home entirely, which means I am leaving the Dodgers out entirely. But I don't like their off season at all. So, oh yeah, I can imagine the backlash too if they don't make the playoffs after getting AJ Pollock instead of Bryce Harper. Sean, how do you have the National League going? 
Um, in the East, I am going to go against Hokaius, uh, and I still think um, the Nationals are the team to beat out in the East. Yeah, losing Harper sucks, but they've still got s- still a whole bunch of talent, and they've also got Scherzer and Strasburg at the top. So I like the Nationals still in the East. Um, I'm going to do the West real quick. I still think the Dodgers are where it's at. Um, they get Corey Seager back. They've got Pollock. Um, might have a more than a full. We might have a fuller season from Walker Bueller. Uh, that's who I'm. I'm going with. I, I really like them. Then uh, Joe Kelly got added to. So I still like um, the Dodgers out in the West. <sighs> the Central was so hard. Um, I can't believe the Cub. Pakota has the Cubs at whatever it is, 79 wins or 81. Um, I man. I, I got split between them and the Cardinals, um, but I, I think I'm still going to go with the Cubs. Um, I still just think that, like, Chris Bryant is too dang good of a player. I think you Darvish can still bounce back. Quintana, Rizzo's still really, really good. Um, Baez might not be as good as he was last year, um, but, I mean, he's projected for only two wins this year on fan graphs, and you could see him easily beating that. Um, and so, I, I don't know. I, I still think the Cubs are, are the – you know, team to beat uh, in the central. Um, and I didn't really pick a wild card, but I think if I did, I would go Phillies at least. And then, mm-hmm. um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just, Oh, celebrating. you were cheering. I thought that was someone saying who, um, and then you were saying boo earns. Okay. <laughs> um, and then so Phillies, and then I hate to say this, but I kind of do like the Mets just Ooh, a little bit. Um, hot take pick. Well, I like them for I like them to be in contention maybe for the wild card. Mm-hmm. I mean I like Pete Alonso a lot and Cano's really good and so is Edwin Diaz. Um, Jeff McNeil could do pretty good as well. I like full seasons from Nemo and Conforto's not just facing left-handed pitchers anymore or excuse me not facing right-handed pitchers only. Um, and of course the rotation still has like the reigning Cy Young winner and uh, Cinder Guard and even Wheeler's been better and so. Um, and of course, you know World Series winner Jason Vargas. So uh, I don't know. I, I like I like the Mets. I don't love them, but I like them enough that I could see them beating the Braves. Who the Braves? A lot of good position talent, but man, I just don't know about that. They're pitching. I mean, if Fulton Evans is your maybe your second best starter, I think he got some work to do. I will also go with the Nationals. I'll join Sean. I think people are sleeping on the Nats just because they. Lost yeah. Harper, but they still have a really talented team. Juan Soto, I think, is going to be uh, yeah. just a big star this year. Trey Turner is very underrated. Anthony Rendon, very good hitter. Max Scherzer is always Max Scherzer. Uh, the Central, I have the Brewers repeating. I still believe in them. I think uh, you know the Josh Hader injury is going to be hurts them, but they've got so much bullpen depth. Uh, and if they really get Craig Kimbrell, which they've been rumored to be in talks with them, I mean that that'll really paper over that loss. So I I still think they have a really good team. I have the Rockies in the West. Um, I like what they've been doing. Um, I, I agree with you guys, or I agree with Hokias, at least the, the Dodgers um, didn't have a great offseason, and that could end up costing them a little bit. Uh, and then as far as a wild card, um, I, I think it's really it's kind of up in the air, but I like the Cardinals and the Braves. Uh, I think the Cardinals are going to edge out the Cubs in what could be a really good uh, down-to-the-wire finish. Uh, but I'll take the Cardinals because they know how to play baseball the right way. So yeah. Um, totally. So know, so let's. What, who's going to be in the fall classic? We, we got your World Series matchups. Who ends up playing in in what could be I guess November? But who uh, ends up in the World Series this year, Sean? Um, I've got Astros and Nationals. I, I know I'm going to keep getting screwing myself in the foot, but I'm still because I keep picking the Nationals. But I'm going to go Astros Nationals. Okay. Guys? I'm gonna go Astros Phillies. No, uh, I guess we should say who, who do you have one? You have Astros over Nationals. Is that right? Sean? Uh, yeah, I'll do. Oh, sorry. Oh, Sean, do you have Astros over Nationals? Uh, just sorry, one second, Mike. I got chaos going inside of my house right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I still have a Nat. Yeah, I think Astros over Nationals, but because I don't know why I would ever pick a Nationals team to win. <laughs> A series, and that's why the Phillies won't win, is because they have Harper, and Harper's never won a playoff series. <laughs> and he never will. And then Hokai, so you can clarify, who did you have uh, winning it all? I'll pick the Astros over the Phillies. Okay, I I think the Astros have the most talented team. Um, I kind of feel like the Yankees might have some weird mojo going this year, but 
I think I think it's I think the Astros are the best team, and I think they'll end up winning it all. I also have them over the Nationals. I think the Nationals are going to be a really solid team that um, that will, will now that they don't have Bryce Harper in the postseason, they can they can make a run. Uh, so let's <laughs> let's talk about some hardware. So American League MVP, National League MVP. The, the odds I'm looking at on some Vegas site has Mike Trout as a favorite in the American League and Bryce Harper as a favorite in the National League. But that could just be you know the where the money is. Sean, where do you have your action? Where is who's going to be MVP this year? Um, yeah, I mean Trout is like the the go-to for the American League, but I don't know. Like that's that's it just feels like a cop out. Um, so I'll go with Trout. And as Hokais is talking, I'm going to think of another person that I a non-Trout um, one. But I'm going to go in the uh, in L. I st- I'm going to go Juan Soto. I think he leads him. Mm. I think that's what it is. He's, he's a, a very impressive young player. And, yeah, I, kind of, I, I at least I'm not going to pick him as MVP, but I would agree he's going to have a big season this year. Hokaius, who do you have as MVP? Uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go Trout, and uh, I'm going to go Harper. I think getting out of uh, Washington, going to Philadelphia, is, is going to wake his bat back up, and he's just going to go – on a monster tear, which is how Philadelphia is going to the World Series. I would be curious to see how many times a, a player has won MVP in this first year of signing a new big contract. Uh, I feel like it hasn't happened that much, uh, but it probably has happened at least a few times. Maybe A-Rod or maybe Barry Bonds won it his first year in San Francisco, but uh, that would be interesting if Harper won it in his first year. Uh, I just wanted to yeah. point out on these um, odds, these Vegas odds I'm looking at. So Trout is 250 to 1 at the American League to, be, to win the American League MVP. Mookie Betts six hundred to one. Aaron Judge eight hundred to one. Alex Bregman nine hundred to one. Whit Merrifield six thousand six hundred to one. All right. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say six thousand. It's six uh, plus sixty six hundred. That's um, so ignore that six six hundred to one. I meant uh, plus sixty six hundred. So if you want to put some money on Whit Merrifield, um, he's kind of a nice long shot. Uh, but I won't pick Whit Merrifield for my MVP. I will pick Alex Bregman. He just signed a. Uh, speaking of guys who just signed a contract, he just signed a contract with the Astros. I think the Astros are the best team. I think he's going to get a lot of credit for that. So I will pick Alex Bregman in the American League. And then the National League, I have the Rockies winning the West, and I think the man that leads them, Nolan Arnato, is going to have a big – and he also signed a big contract. So he's going to have a big uh, season as well. And uh, I have uh, I have him as my MVP. So let's turn to the you pitchers. Took, What's that? I was going to say, you took, you took my two that I was going to go with um, – Bregman in the non-Trout division, and then uh, Arenado in the non-Harper division. So I think you're spot on. I think those are really good picks. Well, it so seems congrats, like man. it seems like the talent is pretty top-heavy right now, doesn't it? I mean, I I guess maybe um, you know Christian Yelich wasn't he kind of came out of nowhere last year a little bit, um, but it seems like there's probably you know look look at the National League MVP odds here. There's Harper at plus four hundred, Arenado it's plus six hundred, Chris Bryant. At uh, Paul Goldschmidt, I should say, at plus twelve hundred or plus nine hundred, Chris Bryant at plus twelve hundred, and Manny Machado at plus twelve hundred. Yelich is at plus sixteen hundred. So uh, after that, it drops up pretty significantly with guys like Reese Hoskins and Freddie Freeman. So it seems like it's kind I of think among those five, five or six. I th- I don't know. I think there's pretty good mix of like, if you look at like kind of maybe the best. I, I think that the best players arguably in the league. They're not like the big, huge contract guys, mm-hmm. um, other than Trout. But like Betts, you know, is still in arbitration. Ramirez, uh, I know Bregman just signed, but I mean, he's not like he's a huge, gigantic free agent signing. Lindor and like Aaron Judge and like Matt Chapman's really freaking good. Jose Atuve, Correa, um, guys like that, or even Xander Bogarts. I mean, there's a lot of guys that I think are really good that at the top of the league that aren't like you know these big free money spending signings, which I think is good. For- Plus, we're getting like a new generation of guys with Soto and. Ronald Acuna yep. and uh, Vladimir Junior. Guerrero Jr. Uh-huh. and Fernando Tatis Jr. That, I mean, they may not win MVP this year, but they're probably going to win a couple MVPs down the down, down the line. So, yeah, it's kind of a yeah. it's, it's kind of almost like a changing of the guard a little bit. Yep, Chase Velo, you nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> future MVP Chase Velo. Uh, let's turn to the pitchers, uh, Sean. Who do you got as the best uh, Cy Young winner in the American League and the National League? So, National League was kind of easier. Um, I still think Scherzer, he's just so freaking good. Um, it's just incredible how he, usually age hits everybody. Not that he's that old, but he feels like he's been around. I mean, he was at Mizzou, seems like 15 years ago. Um, so, I've got I've, I've got him for the NL. 
Um, for me, the AL came down between, I mean, it's the three obvious ones, uh, Sale, Verlander, and Kluber. Um, I wanted to go Verlander, and that's Verlander is going to be my pick, my safety pick. But my going out of a, on a limb pick a bit, I'm going to go Garrett Cole as – I'm gonna yeah. If I, let's go different, I'm gonna go Garrett Cole. I don't, even, not even my safety pick. I'll go Garrett Cole. Will be my pick. There it is. Okay, so what about you? Who's the who's the best arms in each league? Well, I I I went with Max Scherzer in the NL too because it's Max Scherzer. Um, but I wanted to go out a bit on a limb in the American League as well, and uh, so I'm I I went with Trevor Bauer. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I you could you could talk about his personality and his attitude, and man, there's some stuff going on there. But he, I he is dedicated to his uh, his craft of pitching, and uh, I I I kind of I like the way he approaches pitching. Not everything else in his life, but the way he approaches pitching is is pretty good to me. So I'm I'm gonna look at him for the AL Cy Young. In the National League? Oh, you said Max Scherzer. That's right. I, yeah. I was just looking at Scherzer. Scherzer's It's just awards. so obvious. He's won three Cy Youngs already. Each of the past six years, he's finished top five in Cy Young balloting, which is just crazy to me. Uh, like He's like on his way to becoming Roger Clemens without the PED uh, scandal. Got started a little bit later, I guess, but, uh, man, that's an impressive career. Um, so Cy Young's hard for me to predict. Um, it, it's tempting to go Scherzer, but, man, it's hard to win four Cy Youngs. So I am going to go a little bit different and go with Steven Strasburg. And I've been a Strasburg believer for a while. Um, and, you know, he's got the talent. Uh, I think maybe this is the year it all comes together for him. I also like Kyle Freeland a lot for the Rockies. But this, I think this will be Strasburg's year. In the American League, I, I think Bowers, that's a really good um, pick. I think I feel like things are coming together for him. That's not who I picked, though. I picked Marcus Stroman of the Blue Jays, who I've always been a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Just kind of an out-of-the-left you know out of left field pick. Because um, I feel like that's, you know, Blake Snell was kind of an out of left field pick last year to win the Cy Young, so maybe Marcus Stroman steps up this year. So, um, you know, I think this year, you know, I think is a good NL pick um, that Jeremy or okay, so that you might go with um, Aaron Nola. Because if you think that the Phillies are going to be really good this year, Aaron Nola is a really freaking good pitcher, and he could get the, you know, there's a lot of value required um, with your team has to be good. Um, yeah. and you know, if your team stinks and that's, it, while I like Strowman, you know, the one thing that's probably going to hold him back is, you know, the Blue Jays are only going to win 70 games this year. So that's, that's kind of the issue. So I think Noel is actually a really nice little sneak pick. If you guys want to change your answers to that at any point, well, yeah, don't, don't you think though that, uh, voters have moved past like team, uh, like player wins, especially, but I mean like, uh, you know, players from bad teams, it seems like have won the signing in, in past years. I, mean, I see what you're saying. Like he'll maybe he'll get more run support or whatever. But um, I don't know though. Who? I mean, who's a guy that like? Who's the last good? Who's the last Cy Young winner on, or even or MVP winner on a bad team? Like on a truly bad team. Well, uh, didn't I Jacob, have to look. Did Jacob Degrom not win it? Uh, was it last year? Or no, he did, but the Mets year. weren't awful. I mean, they right, weren't but good. They were but okay-ish, they, or they weren't that. Yeah, good. that's they what I'm really saying. I mean, but they weren't in contention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I mean that's what I'm thinking is like on a but like the Blue Jays. Like that's the only thing I'm thinking like with Stroman. It's like oh, the Blue Jays are going to be straight up awful. Well, I don't know. They'll, uh, be, they'll be they'll be like 75, 77 win. They're uh, they're they've got enough like stopgap guys that they won't be god awful. They'll probably be like mediocre to bad. But but I see your, <laughs> I see your point though. Yeah, it, I, it's still, I just it still weighs a little bit, but um, I don't know if it, as much as it used to. So. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely better. Yeah, Mets were seventy-seven, eighty-five. So I mean, yeah, they weren't great, but still. But then again, Degrom also was probably the best. But you know, it wasn't like a. I guess I should say if it's close, they'll mm-hmm. look at that. Right. Degrom right. had a, whatever a one point eighty ERA, where the heck, heck can end up being. So anybody who didn't pick him just hates the Mets, which I think is most of you know baseball. <laughs> most of baseball hates the Mets. Yeah. So you know, definitely keep this, preserve this, record this, hold us to the and hold our predictions. Uh, for the entire season and see how these are almost certainly going to be right uh, when you check these in October and November. So uh, just keep these in mind. (laughs) So, and we'll, of course, like I said, we'll be getting predictions from all the fans uh, and and all our writers as well and and, uh, holding them accountable. So look for that this week. Uh, That'll pretty much wrap it up for us before the start of the season. Uh, You guys want to tell us where you're going to be on Thursday afternoon at three o'clock. How are you going to be watching opening day? How, How are you going to be watching opening day, Sean? Um, 
I actually have a haircut on Thursday, so I'm actually going <laughs> to go. I don't care for watching baseball. Well, no, I, it's not till like 5.30 or 6, so I'll get to watch some of the game. Uh, I think I might just leave work early um, and come kick it at home for a little while and watch the game and then head up. You know. Wait, you have to work on that day? Like it's not a national – it's not a holiday in Kansas City? Yeah, I know. You, you think it would be, but no. Um, but then you know what? I mean – it's opening day for a 60-ish win team. So, you know, if I don't miss, if I don't catch this one, I'm sure I'll, I'll see them uh, lose to the White Sox some other time this year down the line. So. See, those are my favorite opening days because uh, it's opening day, but it's a lot cheaper than 2015-2016 opening day. Yeah. Uh, How many have you, you know, gone into in a row? I, it's, been a, it's been over a decade now of, uh, of opening days, I believe. Uh, last year was certainly the most... Uh, the worst weather we've ever had. From. Oh yeah, that was uh, straight. We only made about four innings. That was straight up terrible. Uh, Hokias, what are you going to be doing to watch the game? Uh, I'm I'm going to be working. <laughs> I might be able to pull it up on my computer if I can uh, sneak that by, but um, that's what I'll be doing. Well, you know how you can uh, follow the game, and you can follow Royals Review on Twitter and follow mm-hmm. our game threads, which will be uh, we'll having every, we'll be having every single regular season game. And that can be your way of following the Royals. And that's uh, how everyone can follow the Royals. So, uh, yeah, so that'd be great. And and uh, if for those of you that are actually going to the game like me, uh, definitely hit me up on Twitter at Max Reaper, M-A-X-R-I-E-P-E-R. And uh, we're going to be having a shrimp boil and, and perhaps a few adult beverages as well. So uh, please feel free to stop on by and, and celebrate the Royals and what will certainly be the start of a championship season this year. So, uh, <laughs> And if you don't, stop by. Uh, just enjoy yourself and be safe and uh, enjoy the opening day. So, uh, you guys, you yeah. know that every year, and just a fun baseball pun for everyone, you can call every season a championship season because the CBA calls it a championship season. <laughs> yeah, so. technically, every, and when you see a press release from a team, they say, We are very excited about blah, blah, blah in the 2019 championship season. And people yep. jump on them and say, Oh, you think you're going to win a championship? And that's just the terminology they use. Is, they call every season championship championship yep. season. This will be a Royals championship season. It's what, like when the Big Twelve calls of... it tr- one true win- <laughs> was it one true winner or one true champion. Oh yeah. <laughs> what kind of way will Dayton Moore feel like he's won the World Series yeah. this year? <laughs> will it be a small way again, or will it be like a tiny way, or well, like they've already picked up hardware? They've already picked up their trophy for the year with the Cactus League title. So yeah. I mean, we're already champions in our own way. So Flags in a forever. desert way, it's like they won the World Series. Yeah. In a very, very different, unrealistic, totally alternate universe way, they won it. All right. Well, we'll be ready for the start of the regular season. This will be our last podcast in the offseason, Sean. So why don't you send us off? Uh, live long and prosper. I don't think anyone's used that one before. So that's <laughs> what I'm going. No, uh, have many good days. And-